0: Oh, <laughs> called Daily Reminders. And the key verse for this series is 1 Timothy 4, verse 7. And part of that verse says, train yourself for what? Train yourself for godliness. If you look at that word train, you really study it what Paul meant by that word train, he was talking about the way an athlete trains. So we need to train like an athlete when we're training for godliness. That's the goal. You might think, well, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, so that's about him, really not about me. But this isn't the only verse that speaks of how we're to grow spiritually, that we're to be more godly, which basically just means that we're to we're to be the kind of people that, that God tells us we're supposed to be in His Word. You know, if someone like Timothy needed to train himself for godliness, then I would think that we all need to train ourselves for godliness. That's the goal of the Christian life, to to grow towards spiritual maturity, or in other words, Christ-likeness. And we need to remind ourselves of that daily, you might mentally do that. I talked in the first week about actually having an app, the Reminders app, and, and setting some reminders for myself and getting notifications to, to do things like pray or, or read the Bible daily. Train yourself for godliness. As an athlete has daily routines that, that he or she believes will lead to athletic success, Christians need routines that will lead to godliness, And we call these routines, the term is not found in the Bible, but we call them spiritual disciplines. And these need to to be regular things in our lives, routines. Our spiritual routines impact our spiritual growth. Now in his book, and I think I quoted this before, uh, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, Donald Whitney writes no spiritual discipline is more important than the intake of God's Word. Nothing can substitute for it. I think most Christians wouldn't disagree with that statement. When he talks about Bible intake, he's talking about taking God in God's Word, and we can do that in different ways. Last week, we talked about hearing the Bible, and, and reading the Bible, and studying the Bible. So, taking in God's Word, Bible intake. That really is really foundational for the Christian life. God has given us this Word. He speaks to us through it, and so we need to take it in. But what's been your experience with Bible intake? Does your expectation measure up to your experience. You know, we believe that it's important. We probably want to do it. We want to read God's Word. We want to get a lot out of God's Word as we take it in. But has your expectation measured up to your experience? You know, maybe maybe you read the Bible daily. Maybe you Read multiple chapters of God's Word, but but as soon as you read and, and close your Bible, you forget everything you just read. I've experienced that before. Probably I'm not the only one. And you might conclude that that you're the problem, that you're a, a second-rate Christian. Uh, listen to what what Donald Whitney says about this. He says, the reality is that that you may not be the problem at all. The problem may simply be your method. Does your method of taking in God's Word need to be adjusted? If you're reading it and closing your Bible and instantly forgetting all that you just read, I would suggest that your method does need to be adjusted. Or if you're not reading the scriptures regularly, I would say, that your method does need to be adjusted. Before we really get into the method of, or methods of, taking in God's word, I'm going to go to, and maybe you're already there if you turned to it earlier, Psalm 1, the first psalm, which really in some way sets the tone for the whole book of psalms. But Psalm 1 says something about the effect that God's Word can have on our lives. In Psalm 1, there are two ways contrasted. There's the way of the righteous and also the way of the wicked or the ungodly. And when you hear that word, the wicked, you might think of the worst of the worst. But basically, it's referring to someone who who, who disregards God's Word. And and the way of a person in this psalm is, is the chosen life path of that person. So we can choose different paths in this life. We can choose God's path according to his word, or we can choose our own path according to our own wisdom. Now the difference between these two ways can be seen in the first and last words of Psalm 1. The psalm begins with the word blessed, characterizing the life of the righteous person, and it ends with what word? With the word perish, describing the end of the wicked person. Now, being blessed sounds a lot better than perishing. And blessed is a word that we hear all the time. But I think it's a word that is, is kind of difficult to define. We have different ideas but what it means to be blessed, what the blessed life is all about. Now, the Hebrew word Psalm one was originally written in the Hebrew language. In the Hebrew word, uh, sorry, the Hebrew word translated as blessed here in Psalm one is uh, sometimes also translated as as happy. Sometimes Bible translators are kind of. Hesitant to use the word happy because maybe it gives the wrong connotations. But really that's what the psalmist is saying. Blessed or happy is the man. We could say the person. This is not just for men, but for all followers of God. Blessed is the man or the person. Happy is the person. And it continues. But that's the, that's the start. Speaking of happiness or blessedness. This kind of happiness, though, isn't a, isn't a happiness due to perfect circumstances. You know, when, when you're on social media and someone uses that hashtag blessed, I think more times now it's kind of used humorously or ironically, but uh, when it's used seriously, uh, they're talking about good things happening in their life. And, and those are blessings, of course, but that's not just what the blessed life is all about. It's not a a happiness that is due to perfect circumstances. A blessed life isn't a life in which everything is is easy or comfortable. I would say, though, that a blessed life is is a fulfilled life. Our fulfillment comes from God and His Word. And so it is the good life in that sense, but it's not the good life in the sense that most people think of it. We know that bad things can happen to God's people. We've been reminded of that this week. Some of our people have gone through great challenges. So it's not a life of of perfect circumstances, but it is a good life. It is a a fulfilling or a satisfied life. Our satisfaction is not in all of our circumstances, which are perfect all the time, but in a good God and His Word. So, Psalm 1, it begins with uh, telling us what the blessed person doesn't do. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. You look at those verbs. Walk, stands, sits. Maybe you've heard this before, but there really is a progression from from going with someone and, and walking with them and then stopping and standing and then sitting with that person and listening to what they have to say. And so there's a progression here of becoming more and more immersed in a wrong way of thinking. And then in verse 2, we're told what the blessed person does. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, which uh, refers to God's word specifically, the first part of the Bible, the first five books, the law. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So there are two important words in that verse, delight and meditates. So God's word isn't boring to the blessed person. His or her delight is in the law of the Lord. Uh, The blessed person delighting in God's word implies that that he or she wants to obey what God commands in his word. And, And the blessed person doesn't just hear or read God's word. They also they contemplate what it says. This is meditation. When you think of meditation, you might just think of Eastern religions and and emptying your mind. But this is filling our minds with God's truth. You know, really, we we think about what we what we delight in. You know, if we're, if we're planning a, a vacation, uh, we're gonna we're gonna delight in that. Vacation, looking forward to it. And we're probably gonna we're gonna think about it. We're gonna think about what, what we're gonna do, uh, the things we're gonna see, and all of that. And so what we what we delight in, we we think about. And if we're delighting in God's word, then we're going to want to think about it. The Psalm says day. And night. We're going to talk a little bit more about meditation in a moment, but delighting in God's Word and, and meditating upon it. And so what we could say is that a blessed person has a love for God's Word. A love for God's Word. Verse 3 gives us the result of having a love for God's Word. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Now that word prospers, is not talking about some sort of health and wealth teaching, that if you just trust God, everything will will go your way. That's not what the blessed life, as we've already seen, uh, is talking about. But notice that that verse 3 also says its leaf does not wither. So that tells us that the blessed person sometimes will face bad circumstances. Times where it would be easy to, to wither, to dry up. But if we're delighting in God's word, if we're meditating upon it, gaining strength from it, that then will be like a, a tree planted by a river. You know, when it gets very dry, when there's a drought, no rain, instead of withering and dying, it will still have that source of water for strength, perseverance. So God's word gives the blessed person resiliency during difficult seasons. And this is the kind of life that we should all desire for a child of God. Again, God's word is foundational to the blessed life. A life that God blesses. Not with perfect circumstances, but blessed in different ways, sometimes with good circumstances, sometimes with strength to face bad circumstances, having that resiliency like a tree planted by the river. This, this book, the Bible, is foundational to that. And that's how the Psalms begin, by talking about how it's wise to have this way of life, a way of life that delights in God's word and, and meditates upon it. So uh, very quickly, I know it's almost noon, uh, but uh, as we said, the end time of the service is not noon, it's 12.15. That's a guide, not a hard and fast rule, but uh, three, three, three additional ways that we can, we can take in God's Word. And one is, is memorizing God's Word. You know, has something you memorized in the past stayed in your brain? Something in school, maybe. You know, I can still remember things I I memorized in in English class back in grade five or six. You know, I before E, except after C, or when sounded like A, as a neighbor and way. Uh, The state of being, verbs, am, is, are, was, were, be, being, been. Uh, The verb of the senses, taste, feel, smell, sound, look, appear, become, seem, grow, remain, stay. I enjoyed grammar as a kid, so I remembered those things. I also memorized a lot of Bible verses as a kid. Usually, just to get the the prize or the reward, uh, and, and we might think that memorizing is just for kids. It's something you know we did as a kid in Sunday school or uh, in school, and we still have a memory verse in our Sunday school uh, opening. Uh, but that's not supposed to be just for the kids. It's supposed to be for for all of us. Now, some of you are probably thinking, you know, I don't have a good memory. I can't memorize scripture. And that might be a valid excuse for, for a few of us, but what if I offered each one of you $1,000 for every verse you could memorize in the next seven days? Would you say, I can't memorize any verses? Uh, or would you be motivated by the, by the $1,000 multiplied by the number of verses uh, to memorize verses the next seven days? Uh, maybe the problem is motivation, not memory. You could think about that. But remember, with all of these ways of taking in the Bible, memorization is, is not the goal. The goal is, is godliness, being more like Christ. And, uh, you know, I don't have to really tell you, you know, how you should go about memorizing God's Word. You can do it in, in different ways, writing it out, reviewing it, uh, memorize the, the Sunday school verse. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the Scripture does, doesn't come right out and say, memorize the Bible, but it does say some things that tell us that it would be good to memorize Scripture. For example, Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Another way of uh, referring to memorization, storing it up in our heart. Proverbs 22, 17, and 18, Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to knowledge, to my knowledge, for it will be pleasant if you will keep them within you if, you are, if all of them are ready on your lips. So keep them, God's wisdom, words of wisdom, within you. Colossians 3, 2, Set your mind, minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Earth. So if we have these things in our minds, then we can set our minds upon them. You know, it's not possible all the time to just, you know, take out our Bible uh, in every moment of the day and and set our mind on on the things of God's Word or to even pull out our phone and search out a verse. Uh, If we have these things in our mind already, then we can set our mind uh, upon them. Ephesians 6.17 says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, how do we take uh, the word of God with us? Does that literally mean that we're to carry our Bibles with us at all times? Well, I don't think that's what Paul was saying because people didn't have a copy of the Bible like we do today. So they couldn't literally take the Bible with them, but they would take it with them by having it in their minds. And that's the example we have of Jesus. When he faced temptation, Matthew 4, four times, he said, it is written. He had memorized scripture. He knew what it says. said, and so he could say, it is written, and he could quote a Bible verse that would apply to that situation. So, you know, maybe you thought that, you know, memorization is a thing of the past that is just for kids. You know, I can't do it. But... What Scripture says is that we're supposed to have God's Word in our minds, not rely on opening up our Bible and looking for something or uh, opening up an app and searching for something, but to have it already in our minds. And and really, memorization fuels the next way of Bible intake, which is meditating on God's Word. If we've memorized it, then we can think upon it. Uh, We've seen this in Psalm 1, meditating on God's Word. Donald Whitney defies meditation, defines it as deep thinking on the truths and spiritual realities revealed in Scripture or upon life from a scriptural perspective for the purposes of understanding, application, and prayer. Deep thinking on the truths and spiritual realities revealed in Scripture. You know, meditation is, is kind of like staying by the fire. You know, you've been out in the cold, you need to get warmed up. Now, you could just pass by the fire for uh, a few seconds or minutes. We'll, we'll say seconds. Uh, and that's sort of like quickly reading God's word. You know, Just passing by the fire for a few seconds, standing there for a few seconds, uh, really won't warm us. But if we, we sit there for a while, for minutes or an hour, then we will become warm. And that's like meditation, not just quickly reading God's Word, but really taking the time to think upon it, being warmed spiritually. Thomas Watson said, the reason we come away so cold from reading the Word is because we do not warm ourselves at the fire of meditation. Now, Psalm 1 isn't the only verse that speaks of meditation. Joshua, Joshua 1.8 talks about it as well this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success again prosperity and success here doesn't refer to the way the things that we normally think of but refers to having success in the in the will of god so meditate on it day and night. Psalm 119.97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. And James 1.25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So there we have the word blessed again, uh, talking about someone who's not a forgetful hearer. A forgetful hearer is not someone who 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 is a meditator. That's the opposite of uh, of meditating on God's word to to hear it or read it and to remember it because you've either memorized it or or meditated upon it. Again, God's word is telling us to do these things. Uh, Donald Whitney he says something that that. That maybe would surprise you, but he says, "Read less, if necessary, in order to meditate more." So if we're if we have fifteen minutes or thirty minutes to to read God's word, most of us don't spend thirty minutes. If we spent thirty minutes reading uh, the Bible, well, that would be multiple chapters, uh, but. Maybe if we find ourselves just reading and, and forgetting what it says, maybe we need to, to read a little less so that we can meditate more upon it. Because if we're reading it, it's good to read it, but if we're forgetting it, for forgetful readers, then that's really doing us no good. So maybe we need to read a little less so that we can meditate a little more on it, to, to take, really take God's word into our minds. And not have that experience of closing the Bible and forgetting everything we just read. So sometimes read less in order to meditate more. But maybe you could read more and meditate more. That would be even better. The third is applying God's word. I won't say much about this. This is this is obvious, and, and you know, there are many questions we can ask of Scripture, and it would take a lot of time to go through all of this, but but meditating on scripture then should lead to applying. Scripture, In other words, putting it into practice. So this is really where we, we start with the goal of, of uh, godliness, doing what God wants us to do, being the kind of people that God wants us to be, thinking the way that God wants us to think, applying this to our lives, putting it into practice. Again, James 1 verse 22 uh, says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We're deceiving ourselves if we think that that hearing or reading the word is good enough. We also need to be doers of the word. We need to, when we read scripture, say, "Well, what's in this? What's in this for me?" Of course, not all verses of scripture are speaking directly to us, but we can apply all of this. Is there is there something in here for me? Is there is there a promise? Is there something that? Uh, convicts me that I need to change in my life? Is there something that encourages me here today? Is there something that uh, it says that, that deals with the situation I'm facing right now? We could go on and on, but we need to ask those kinds of questions when we read God's Word. And that involves meditating on it again, reading, thinking upon it, and then asking those questions and seeking to apply it to our lives, Jesus said in John thirteen seventeen, "If you know these things, blessed." In that word, "blessed." Blessed are you if you do them. And so, having the blessing of God goes back to taking in God's word, delighting in it, meditating upon it, and applying it to our lives. When the New Testament was written, and I read this recently in in Gary Miller's book, Read This First, uh, it's talking about how when the New Testament was written, Greek was was like English of today. It was the English of, uh, Greek was the English of the ancient world. It was the language of trade, education, and, and international diplomacy. And when it came to writing the New Testament, there were two options. There was classical Greek, which was used by the highly educated people, and a Greek that had, had this Greek had a complex grammar and, and sophisticated rules. And there was also the common Greek, sort of the dumbed down version of Greek, which was used by you know the common everyday person. Which, which type of Greek did, did the New Testament writers write in? You would think maybe that they would choose the fancier kind of Greek because it's God's Word, it's important, the most important book or books ever written. But they actually chose the common option. Why do you think they would have done that? Well, it's, they wanted their message to be understood, and so... They wrote it in the type of Greek that really anybody could understand. So the, the New Testament authors wanted all people to experience the, the blessed life, the kind of life that, that Psalm 1 is, is speaking of. Uh, they wanted all people to, to understand uh, the gospel and, and be saved. That They wouldn't make it unnecessarily complicated. So they wrote in a way that, that all people could, could understand. And yes, of course, there are things in the Bible that are difficult to understand. And Peter talks about this, uh, that he says uh, in one of his uh, epistles that, you know, some things in Paul's letters are are hard to understand. There's some questions we have, and we might need uh, the help of the the, the larger church, whether it be people in our local church or the universal worldwide church to, you know, help us with with, uh, answers to some of our questions. But for the most part, we can we can understand pretty much the basic message of of God's word if we really want to read it and we really want to understand it. That God loves us. That Christ sent was sent in this world to to die for our sins. He rose from the dead. He calls upon all people to to believe in Him for salvation. To trust in Him and not our own works. These are things that uh, really. Ordinary people, even children, can can understand and be saved. So the Bible, my point here is that the Bible was written for ordinary people. God wants ordinary people to, to read it, to take it in, to memorize it, to meditate upon it, to apply it, to understand it. So going back to the method, you know, I don't know your method of understanding. Bible reading, maybe you have a method, maybe you don't, maybe you don't read God's Word, that would be the first step. But is there anything about your Bible intake method that could be adjusted? I'm kind of experimenting with that this year. I think I said, before that I'm going through the Gospel of John. I plan to do that multiple times. Right now I'm in, I think, chapter 5, and and I'm trying to to combine this reading with with other spiritual disciplines, uh, to memorize a verse from each chapter, to, to spend more time meditating upon the words of Scripture, reading a little less, because I read through the Bible last year, reading a little less to do these other things, including meditation, doing some studying of God's word really just some basic things like what are the descriptions of Jesus where is he traveling Uh, I know you can look up this and and find a map of where Jesus was uh in the gospel of John but if you really go through these things yourself even as simple things you can really learn a lot just like if you if you uh use this in the men's conference yesterday Uh, a couple of them are here and hearing some of these things again but uh if you watch a video about how to replace a bathroom sink uh you can learn all about it watching the video, but if you really if you do it yourself, then you really I believe learn it a lot better. And so, just some simple things of studying God's word uh, can really help you take it in. And, and of course, prayer involving prayer in our reading of God's word. So maybe just take one of these these other forms of of Bible intake, memorization, meditation. Meditation really, I think, is, 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 is one that's missing oftentimes, and so I would suggest for you not just to read God's Word, and maybe you do this even without thinking that it's meditation, but read upon it, read it, and think upon it, meditate upon it, maybe memorize it, challenge you to do that. You're not too old if you're my age or or older. You're not too old to memorize God's Word. And of course, we all need to apply it. Maybe do some more thinking about how can I apply this? How can I put this into practice? You know, these are very, very basic things. You've probably heard this many times before. But, but sometimes we need these reminders how important God's Word is to us, to hear from God, through his word. If we want to be like that blessed person in Psalm 1. Who, who is able to, to, to persevere even during those very dry times. Then we need God's word. We need his encouragement. We need his promises. We need that hope that comes from the gospel in his word. Uh, we need this. And so over and over again in scripture it talks about taking in God's word. And we have that goal of being more like Christ. That's what it's all about.